Hello and welcome to the Ravencoin SITREP, your situation report on the state of all things Ravencoin and Raven Network. My name is Michael. Over the course of this podcast, I'm going to be interviewing a range of key players in the Raven Network so you can use your time effectively keeping up to date. Today, I'm speaking with Doug Peppy of Mango Farm Assets. Doug is a busy commercial lawyer in New York who has produced a range of innovative and extremely useful online tools for people to create and manage assets and tokens on the Raven network. Unfortunately, the internet connection where I am currently is unreliable. So the last 15 minutes were recorded on a separate occasion and there were some quality issues in that section, so please bear with us. Hello. Hello. Hey, Doug. It's Michael. Nice to hear from you. And you, Michael. How are you? Not too bad. I'm not sure this anchor format, exactly how it works. Uh, I think it started recording as soon as you logged in. Okay. That's fine. I'm, I might be able to edit that down. Otherwise, this will be it. Not a problem. Um, so, Nagia, yeah, so thanks so much for joining me on this brand new podcast, which I, sure. I thought we'd just set up just, just to be about Ravencoin because it's great that we're hearing about Raven on the network on other formats. But this can be hopefully evolve into a place where people just get their situation report, is why it's called SITREP. Excellent. So, you're the first guest I've had. So, thanks again. Oh, excellent. I'm glad to be here. So thanks for having me. Cool. So uh, I, and I gave you some questions in advance because I don't like people being put on the spot. Um, and you've been one of the main players in the Raven Network over the last three years or so since its inception. And increasingly so with some of the, some amazing products and services that you've been offering for people. So would you be able to just give us a background of your involvement in the Ravencoin Network? And, um, and then we can go from how did you get involved? And then we can go from there and discuss some of the things that you offer. Sure, sure. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate it. I, I don't consider myself to be a major player on the Ravencoin network. I, I'm just, I, you know, I, I started this process, um, you know, wanting to build things. Um, so I can give you a little bit of background if you want. Um, uh, I first heard of Ravencoin, you know, uh, right around the time of the white paper, um, just a little bit before, I think. Um, and I was pretty keenly interested at the time in obviously Bitcoin, but also um, uh, Ethereum. Uh, you know, I had been mining a lot uh, of Ethereum at that time. And, um, you know, I, I was interested in Ethereum because of the potential for uh, doing things like what we now call NFTs and, you know, tokenizing real world assets and securities on the blockchain. And nobody was really, you know, talking about that kind of stuff in any great detail back then. Um, so some people were, but not many. When, and then I saw the Ravencoin white paper and it just sort of everything clicked for me. So that's why I, I was a miner and, uh, you know, I was dabbling in mining Ravencoin. And, um, and that's how I sort of got started with my interest in the project. Um, so fast forward about, I'm a lawyer and I, uh, you know, I, I ne- you know, coded when I was a kid and hadn't coded for, I don't know, 30 years. Um, but, you know, fast forward about six or eight months, I started to get the bug to want to start coding a little bit again. And, um, you know, I had some ideas for how, you know, I could make it easier to tokenize um, or create blockchain assets on Ravencoin. And I wanted to learn, you know, more about the nuts and bolts of um, how, how the blockchain really worked, um, you know, at a sort of at a, at a granular level. So I just dug in and um I coded what became the first version of, uh, of Mango Farm. Um, and and I, I went from there. So I'll pause and, you know, if you want me to continue, I'm happy to. Yeah, well, it's, it's really interesting you mentioned that issue of coding because I had a, a similar experience to you when I was, uh, you know, we have all these, these sad stories about when we nearly bought a whole bunch of Bitcoin, et cetera. And I was listening to, <coughs> you know, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos on the Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast when, when that was their podcast. Mm-hmm. They were yep. interviewing Vitalik and talking about Ethereum, and Andreas was very keen, saying, "Yes, I'm on the test net. I've mined some." So, just like back in May 2011, when I was keen, heard about Bitcoin, I, you know, I got home, I opened my computer, found the Ethereum wallet, and downloaded it. And then I thought, "Well, so what do I do now? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how to code. What, I have to code for it. What are you right. talking about? Right? And, and I just, I just went off it." 
And so, so this this protocol where you can make a, a an asset, as we called them at the time, but increasingly called tokens, without knowing any coding, uh, is amazing. But what you've done is basically you're sort of the intermediation coding service where there is some coding to to put your platform online, so that other people even need even less knowledge for how to create a really really rich richly featured asset. Um, right. So, do you mind? Yeah, so uh, I, I, just, I thought I'd just throw that out. Well, yeah, you know, I'll tell you, that's that's exactly it, right? So the original concept of, of Mango Farm was, uh, you know, in order to make an asset the right way, um, you know, other than just a name on the, on the blockchain, if you want to imbue that asset with any sort of legal rights or if you want to put any content to it, you need to be able to do a couple of things, right? You need to have an IPFS node running. You need to be able to, you know, uh, hash the file, pin it to IPFS, put it on a... Uh, you know, on, on the Ravencoin, um, you know, attach it to the asset. And then you know, that's really only a flat file, right? So, you know, if you want to do any more sophisticated things um, uh, with your asset, you know, they're really, the tools aren't aren't uh, user-friendly in the sense that um, somebody without a lot of technical background, um, you know, can't can't really do it without a lot of work. So the original concept of MangoFarm, still the concept of MangoFarm is to provide tools to make it easier for other people to do that without having to know anything about, uh, the coding side of things. Now you can do that with the Ravencoin core wallet, which is awesome. I mean, it's super simple to make an asset on Ravencoin, yeah. but you know, my, my concept was and remains to make another sort of layer of tools that people can use to create more sophisticated assets if they, if they want to do that. So that was the concept. Well, I, I've, I've made a couple and I found it extremely easy. I made some NFTs. I even, I even made one for a, 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 a fairly hardcore Bitcoin maxi uh, who made quite an awesome GIF. Uh, with this, awesome. you may have seen it with. Um, oh, I think I showed it to you. With oh, the, you did. I the saw that. Fought, the gladiator great. one. Yeah. And and I just, it was as simple as anything. And I just pinned it to an IPFS, and we'll talk about what that is later. And then put it onto when they when they had those live auctions with that awesome Tennessee Troy Holden doing the auctioneering, and and he he got it for a, a thousand Raven coin, and uh, you know it was a great price. He's awesome. still not convinced. <laughs> That's often. The, back, the, the maxi mindset. So was there any particular business uh, entity or interest that approached you and said, look, uh, is there any way, I know you're into this sort of stuff, Doug, are you, can you make this easier? Or was it completely sui generis on your part? No, completely sui generis. I mean, I, I just love Ravencoin and I, I, you know, frankly, I love to learn. So it was a learning project for me. That's why I did it. So could an enterprise use your system as a backend? I mean, my brother got in, is a lawyer too, and he didn't like it. He got into coding and he started very, very in the early days of the internet uh, doing front page. And then the graphic designers said, hello, we can do this. All of a sudden he's found himself in a back office. So he's using <laughs> internet protocols to develop lots of auto business automation systems and backend stuff. Could a business approach you and negotiate a, a rate to, for your website to operate in the background with their skin? So if you if you're tokenizing a barrel of whiskey or something, and it looks like their website, and they get their customers get their tokens on their wallet, but it's really Mango Farms operating in the background. Absolutely. So we've done that. Um, yeah. Uh, there was a company called IP Assets, which now I'll tell you a little bit more about IP Assets and Mango Farms relationship later because it's changed um, uh, for the better. So originally, IP Assets um, started out as a company that would um, uh, basically, you know put certain intellectual property rights on the blockchain. And it was one of the first Mango Farm white labeling projects where we uh, white labeled a wallet and, um, and provided it to IP assets. We then uh, made another one um, for an artist by the name of Rick DeMont. Um, and that's out, actually out there, Rick, rickdemontart.com. Uh, real world artist, real world art, um, you know, sells his stuff, puts it in museums. Um, we worked with IP assets to create uh, a blockchain, a customized blockchain wallet just for Rick, uh, the artist, and uh, a CRM platform uh, that was provided um, to, you know, allow Rick to, um, you know, have his full e-commerce site and, you know, a, a classic e-commerce site coupled with a blockchain wallet. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. And um, we're, you know, we, we've, we've, uh, Sort of sidetracked those projects for now uh, because we've turned back to really bolstering the Mango Farm platform, built out Ravencoin IPFS, which I know we're going to talk about, and some other things that we can also talk about. But um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, white labeling was the, 
part and parcel of the original concept of what Mango Farm would be. A set of free tools for anybody and then a set of white label tools for people who uh, you know, needed a little bit more uh, customization. And do you think it could uh, eventually op operate with uh, something like atomic swaps or integrating with ThorChain or something so people with, with fiat or other cryptos can come in and uh, invest on someone's site? So yeah. they've got some Bitcoin and then and then they're, they're operating on Ravencoin and then they put Bitcoin in and then they can get Bitcoin out or whatever they want. Absolutely. Um, you know, we have um, paid a script hash coming out soon on, on the Ravencoin blockchain. So in terms of cross chain swaps, that'll facilitate it. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, uh, you know, we have we have the code. The code's been written for, I don't know, about a year now for atomic swaps on Mango Farm. Um, sort of unique way to do atomic swaps. I don't think anybody's ever done them this way. Um, and, you know, we, we literally have a one pager uh, that does swaps. Um, I haven't done it. We haven't put it out live. Um, I think the only way that we're going to do that is with white label products where we know who all of the customers are. Yeah. Um, Mango Farm is a uh, is a non-custodial wallet. And, um, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit of a, uh, a, a tough call to host a site where people can be swapping things back and forth when you don't know who they are. Uh, it's, it fits with my ethos. I want people to do peer-to-peer -peer transactions. Uh, I don't want to be a middleman or an intermediary, but when you are and when you have a website, you have to be careful about, you know, and it's, in it's interesting you bring that up because I remember seeing you uh, provided a pro bono service for a, um, a paper on why Ravencoin is not a security. I think that was, was that for the Bittrex listing? Uh, it was, yep, a couple of years yeah, ago. And so, and it's something that Bruce Fenton's made very clear and made makes clear on Twitter all the time is that people flipping the bird to the law with regard to DeFi just isn't going to fly. Yeah. And, and that is it's going to be done. If you're going to securitize your assets using the blockchain, it should be done legally and it should be done properly and safely. And that's not some kind of simp to status, you know, overlords. It's just a reality that we live in. It's, there's no point going to prison over, over something. And these ICOs that went nuts in 2017 showed that. Yeah, well, I mean, forget about prison. I, I won't even, I won't even, you know, um, uh, you know, I won't even jaywalk. I, 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 yeah, for me, it's just for me to put my name on something and be involved in something. I have to make sure that it's um, sort of one hundred percent bulletproof and and that beyond reproach. Yeah, beyond reproach. And that was one area where I just I have a little bit of uncomfortability. So some people don't. I, I mention IPFS all the time when I talk about it, and I get blank stares. Can you just for listeners who don't know what that is, give us a bit of a summary of what the uh, what the IPFS is, how it yeah. works, why we Ab need it? Absolutely. Um, so interestingly, right? If if you um, if you create a Ravencoin asset, what is it? It's a it's a name, it's a quantity, it's a number of units, and it's a little flag that tells you whether it's reissuable or not. Um, so. You know, let, let's take reissuable assets in the first yeah. instance, right? So you've checked reissuable. Um, that's it, right? So in a sense, and that transacts just like Bitcoin. So you name it, you know, Doug token or whatever, and you can send Doug token just like you can send a Bitcoin. And on the blockchain, it looks very similar to how a Bitcoin, uh, it's called a UTXO, but a Bitcoin transaction would look. Um, but interestingly, that asset really has no content, right? So I can I can create an asset called general motors and you know just by virtue of the fact that i named that asset general motors it doesn't mean that it's a share of general motors stock it's nothing it's meaningless yeah. to give it meaning you have to provide content to the asset what is that content that context is actually legal content in all contexts yeah. right even nfts that's you know sort of an ownership interest in a uh you know in a non-copyrighted uh you know work that's been uh placed on the blockchain by someone um uh, but a security is, you know, very similar. Um, and, and in a sense, what a, what, a, what a blockchain asset is on Ravencoin is, is a blank slate. And you need to write on that slate. IPFS is the mechanism that you use to provide content to your assets. Um, what is it? So IPFS is called the Interplanetary File System. Um, it is a, uh, it's, it's a network of nodes and, and you know, daemons, programs that uh, allow for uh, content delivery. Um, so if I take, for example, a, a picture of myself and I put it on IPFS, I, I do what's called pinning. I pin it to IPFS. That means that I'm storing that file and I'm serving it up to anybody else that wants to access that file through this IPFS network. 
And how does that uh, differ just from put having a website, a URL website? Uh, well, it's it's different in the sense that IPFS, first of all, IPFS isn't, you know, on the web. It's sort of a separate network, right? So this yep. network of IPFS <laughs> nodes um, allow you to uh, uh, access the, 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 the material by a hash of its content. You know, and that, this might be getting a lot into the weeds, but what does that mean? Uh, I'm, I'm locating a, a file or, or, a, or an image or a movie literally by its content. So when you take a, a file and you pin it to IPFS, the first thing that you do before it gets pinned is it, it, it's hashed. A cryptographic hash is basically a, uh, an immutable reference to the content of a file. So it doesn't matter where it is, whether it's in China, Turkey, Iran, any of these places that are going to put up firewalls, it's a completely separate network. Correct. And, yeah. and you're locating the file by reference to its, you know, the hash of its content to its content as opposed to its location, which is yeah. how you how you access things on, on the World Wide Web. So um, it's a really interesting system. It's decentralized. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I got pretty keenly interested in it early on. I always sort of thought that, you know, there was a need for uh, the concept for Ravencoin IPFS, you know, was in my head pretty much simultaneously with Mango Farm. Just took a while to actually get it done. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, and we can talk about that, but, you know, the, 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 the sort of general short answer to what is IPFS, it is, it's the mechanism, it's the system that allows you to put legal content uh, and attach it to your Ravencoin asset. Ravencoin accepts this hash, this, this IPFS hash. And once you put it on an asset, um, it then rides along with that asset on the blockchain, just like any of the other inf information we talked about. Well, I think that's important that you mentioned that it's uh, completely separate from the web because the story of the uh, Wikipedia, Turkish language Wikipedia, really shows the strength of the censorship resistance. The Erdogan government, for whatever their reasons, they banned access to the Turkish language Wikipedia website. So somebody downloaded the entire content and put it on their IPFS yep. and then every, everybody could get it. And, and China's recent, you know, no, most recent uh, anti-Bitcoin actions show that... Um, uh, people people need a way to to access content that is not censorable. And even with some politician, I think it's a, a Democrat yesterday, or was saying, you know, the government needs needs the ability to reverse transactions on the Bitcoin network. There are there are actors, both bad actors as we might call them, in, you know, in sort of semi dictatorships in in Turkey, to good good play people acting in good faith for good reason, who nevertheless want to engage in censorship. And we need to not give any of them any truck. And this is well, a good way to, to, to protect our system, protect our assets. Couldn't agree more. And I mean, even, you know, look, look to the Bitcoin white paper. And now, you know, Bitcoin.org has to take the white paper down because of a default oh. judgment in a British court because the owner of that site. I mean, Satoshi Nakamoto put the Bitcoin white paper onto the Bitcoin.org website. And and uh, now you know uh, it's it's removed because of of a default judgment. I, I have the white paper uh, on my pinned on my uh, Ravencoin IPFS um, uh, homepage, and uh, I have other things too. I mean, look, I'm a I'm a firm believer in decentralization and, and freedom of expression and speech. Uh, if we don't okay. have those things, you know, what what, what do we have? So uh, even if I disagree with things, I will put them. Uh, you know, I'll pin them. And uh, there were there were a few political documents that uh, came out during the um, you know during during the uh, election drama of last year. I, I pinned them even though I didn't agree with them. I, you know it wasn't my polit personal political um, mm. you know uh, dog in the fight. I just saw that things were getting censored and taken down, so I pinned them up um, uh, as sort of my little you know little effort to to assist. And uh, I would do it on all sides of the political spectrum because I think free speech is really important. And IPFS, I think, is going to be an important part of uh, of that uh, equation. That's excellent. Do you have any plans to integrate your Ravencoin IPFS and the Mango Farm on the same site? Yes, absolutely. No. So uh, we're working on that now. I don't know if this next iteration um, of Mango Farm, Mango Farm is undergoing, as we're speaking, a complete soup to nuts, first line of code to last line of code revision. Mm. Um, it's almost done. And um, I, I've stripped out some of the features that the current Mango Farm site has, um, with the intention to add them back uh, in steps um, as we progress. But um, so I'm going to leave the existing Mango Farm site up, 
but have a, a new mango farm site um, that has less features, but more, you know, much, much more refined and then bolt on new things as time, time progresses. Uh, and I see that people, sorry. No, I was going to say that's one of the things we're going to add is full integration with Ravencoin IPFS. Great. So I see that some people, uh, because of their lack of the paucity of, uh, of, of SPV wallets and other mobile wallets, people have been using your site as a wallet. And I understand your intention for that wallet feature was really just to hold the Ravencoin necessary to create assets and send them. And yes. that uh, it shouldn't be necessarily used as your store of value for, and everything. But increasingly, some people will do what they're going to do. Um, so how, how, how's your feeling about people using it as a wallet when it wasn't your primary purpose? Do you feel that there's any uh, security concerns or concerns for people who don't write that seed down the first time and then they're going to, they can't recover it? Or do you have any sort of, you might get mission creeped into producing a wallet is what I'm trying to get at. Well, so we call it a wallet, but the reason, you know, it is a wallet designed for the purpose of uh, facilitating asset creation. Um, so like any, any hot wallet, uh, you know, it's, it's a web wallet. And by definition, any, any wallet to any internet connected computer, you really shouldn't be putting, you know, large amounts of any crypto. Um, I sort of consider, you know, web, mobile, even desktop, even core desktop wallets <coughs> to be sort of in the, in the same vein because they're all internet connected. Um, so there are vulnerabilities with each and there are strengths with strengths with each. Um, so, you know, I, I frankly wouldn't put, um, substantial funds on an, on an online, uh, core wallet either. Um, but people will do what they do. And, um, you know, that's why I think that, that there were sort of three critical pieces or important pieces that I always wanted to, um, you know, uh, focus on, right. One was, one was the building piece, the asset building piece. And and the new version, uh, it's gonna, you'll see in a few weeks. It's got a really cool um, sort of new custom builder uh, that is different from the web form that you know it's been out there for two and a half years. When when I you know when I thought of the web form, which actually came originally from a spec that Tron did, um, and I just put it into a web form. Um, yeah. uh, it, it and then I morphed it over time. You know, that's sort of dated. So I, I I sort of came up with an idea for a new one, and we're we're building it out. Uh, now, which is customized. There's another custom version that's going to come after that, which is super, super awesome, awesome. But it's only, you know, about halfway done and it's in, you know, in concept phase. So I'll talk about that at another time. Um, so there's there's the builder piece uh, and yeah. obviously being able to view uh, built assets. And then, you know, there's the, the IPFS piece, which we talked about. And now we've got Ravencoin IPFS, which we can discuss in a bit more detail. But the third critical piece is, um, you know, uh, offline storage, um, hardware storage or cold storage. Yeah. So um, that is uh, something I can't really get into too much detail about that uh, here, but it is something, you know, let's just say absolutely keenly focused on. And it's a, a major focus of um, uh, me right now and our entire development team. And when I say our, I mean, we really have a, a you know, an expanding development team now. It's something I'm extremely keen on. I've got, I've had the exact same problem. I have quite a lot of Ravencoin on a core wallet. And over the last three and a half years, I've just been, you know, making sure that, I mean, whatever happened to my wallet, as long as my private key was backed up, that's fine. But in my, in my wallet file, but I've been conscious that, that that is a fragile system, but the Electrum Ravencoin system has been a bit tricky to get to recognize my ledger they didn't right. recognize my ledger and and the safe power wallet their web wallet you know the application has ravencoin in it but not the hardware wallet right. so something that can interact with a hardware wallet. and what would even be better is an asset aware hardware wallet so and, uh, uh, that's yeah, something I, in the future absolutely I, it's not far off in the future i'll just put it that way mm. <laughs> it's very exciting so yeah. let's start a couple of, a, few, a few couple of general questions before getting into the weeds on ravencoin ipfs sure on on ravencoin twitter a lot of people refer to it as bitcoin 3.0 yeah. so and and the maxis come back saying look we've got um all these other counterparty and we've got these other new things on the lightning network and specter and all these sorts of things why why not just build assets on top of bitcoin do, do you have an answer to that? I mean, I have an answer to that, but I was wondering what your your answer might be. Sure, my answer might be too technical, but uh, for for some some uh, listeners, but the reason is because you can't have a UTXO set. 
I mean, Ra Raven allows, allows you to create a complete UTXO set, a complete transaction set for yeah. your asset, as opposed to Bitcoin, which, you know, it's basically riding on someone else's Bitcoin transaction. They're just they're just not the same thing. Now, what, what yeah. the Bitcoin folks have done, you know, Counterparty never really took off uh, in a substantial way. What, what You know, it did a, you know, in some respects, but it's, it's you know, I, I just don't see Counterparty and, and, and those sorts of systems riding on Bitcoin to be. Um, the future. But, you know, what Bitcoin did do is you have things like Blockstream's liquid network, which has assets. But, you know, I hear Maxis talk about those sorts of things. And it's not to knock it. I mean, all projects are, are great. You know, Rising Tide lifts all boats. But mm -hmm. when I look at systems like liquid, what I see is a side chain that is controlled, Right you have to peg into that side chain and then you're no longer on the Bitcoin proof of work decentralized network. You're on a network that's controlled by a number of nodes. So you're compromising some security in doing that. I mean, look, they're, they're the best mm. in the world at security. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily security. You're just, it's not Bitcoin, right? It's, it's, it's a side yeah. chain of Bitcoin, which is not the same thing. And it's not even proof of work. So I sort of view you know, I'm not a maximalist and I'm a Bitcoin adherent fan, you know, um, I, I, you know, I, I've read everything that Satoshi's ever written. Um, but but I, I don't I don't think that a side chain is by definition necessarily, you know, better because it's attached to Bitcoin uh, through a swap or through a peg. Then, you know, a, 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 a decentralized proof of work crypto like Ravencoin that provides asset tools and you can swap in or swap out with a floating exchange rate. I mean, the only difference between a side chain and a, and a uh, you know, and a, and a uh, crypto project like Ravencoin is that to get mm -hmm. into Ravencoin out of Bitcoin, you have a floating exchange rate as opposed to uh, a fixed exchange rate. Yep. That's it. So I, I, I'm similar. I regard myself as a, a, a Bitcoin monetary maximalist and a Ravencoin asset insurance maximalist, if you could call it that way, because I don't think of Ravencoin as having been conceived as to be used as money, even though you can use it as money. Uh, I think Bruce even had on his Twitter, he used to have it on his bio, Bitcoin for money, Ravencoin for everything else. That's actually and on my, that's on my bio. That's on yours, is it? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. I saw it on Bruce's wild. Oh, maybe it was. I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah. Bruce and I had the exact same words, but that's that's exactly what the Mango Farm uh, header on Twitter says. It must have been you. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I find, yeah, and, and it's, because of the capitals in, you know, it's it's what seven hundred billion dollars now in, in Bitcoin at current rates and prices, mm -hmm. and and almost a billion dollars in uh, uh, in Ravencoin that they have different purposes. And I think some people see the, any other protocol as, a, as an inflationary threat to, to Bitcoin for the purpose of money. And I'm sure that in a lot of state entities with their Fed coins and whatever, the CBDCs are, are intending to present just such a threat. And so I can understand the instinct to, to get one's back up at any other of the 20 more thousand um, old, old coins that keep popping up every there, but everywhere. And so it led me to why people saw potential in Ravencoin as to anything else. And just sort of background, I was on the library discord, which is, you know, like a, a marriage between BitTorrent and Bitcoin. Yep. And a guy, I don't, I don't know his name. I think it might be Liam, but MTarget, you know, if you probably know the username, sure, mentioned sure. there's this thing that had just launched called Ravencoin. And uh, that was on two weeks after it launched. And I immediately saw that its potential was in its proof of work, that there's no nodes, um, oh, there's nodes, but there's no master nodes, right. there's no proof of stake, there's no founders, there's no, you know, ICOs or IDOs or any sort of massive funding rounds. It's just, here's this code, go use it. And you can build all these other things on it. And more importantly, for for a, a focused doctor who doesn't know how to code, I don't know, don't need to know how to how to code. Mm -hmm. So I immediately saw that. But do you see, given that it's proof of work status, I think we've got almost seven hundred nodes at the moment. That is those that are not behind Tor. Uh, so maybe say a thousand, but uh, you know, a good number of nodes. I've got one. Right. It's just, if you can hear a slight hissing now, 
in my room. It's my, my Bitcoin node and my Ravencoin node, little fans. <laughs> I turned off my miners so it wouldn't be quite so noisy in my man cave, but Great. I can't turn them off. So <laughs> do, do you ever see that Ravencoin could be a, uh, any competition for Bitcoin or, 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 ought it, or ought to be ever used as money? Well, so I don't view these things as zero-sum games. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate that there are a lot of people who do. Uh, maybe it's because I, you know, I came on scene late, uh, you know, in terms of my uh, sort of keen interest in, in blockchain and crypto. It was, you know, t- early 2016, I guess. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of came, I, saw, I saw the, you know, the big block wars and all of that stuff as a, as a bit of nonsense. I have a different perspective. And I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a lawyer. I'm looking at this, I think, from a, um, uh, you know, sort of a more, um, yeah, my, my approach just isn't from the inside, even though I've you know been involved in blockchain for, for a number of years now. Um, I, I think Ravencoin will be used for what people use it for. And I think Bitcoin will be used for what people use it for. And, I, you know, I, I have difficulty with, you know, in the Bitcoin context in particular, you know, people trying to define sort of what Bitcoin is or what Bitcoin should be through social consensus. You know, it's, it, it, it is what people use it for. Um, and right now, Bitcoin is, I think, the best, um, you know, sort of hard money store of value um, in the blockchain space. And that's why, and it's got, that's why it's got incredible security, aside from the fact that it, you know, was the first. That's why, that's why it's got, um, you know, uh, such, a, such a large and, you know, sort of vociferous user base. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, Ravencoin, I view it as an asset platform, which it is. Now, what is money, right? You know, will Ravencoin compete with Bitcoin for money? Well, for building Ravencoin assets, it sure will, yep. right? Because you need Ravencoin in order to build Ravencoin assets. Um, so in that sense, Ravencoin is used as money right now and, and has been since the beginning. Uh, of the asset uh, layer. Um, look, uh, but if it becomes better, I mean, look, I, there's, there, there's, it's, it's just human nature, right? If you've got uh, big Bitcoin bags from, you know, 2012 or 2013, 2014, and, you know, you're going to be out there, you know, saying that everything in the world is a, you know, a, a, a shit coin. And the reason that you're going to do that is because it's just, you know, human nature. I try to, you know, I, I reject that. I, I, I try to, even in myself, I, I don't, I don't approach things that way. I think, you know, this is, this is about progress and development. And to me, what's much more important than any of that stuff, than the, you know, the, the value of your crypto and the value of your bags and all that uh, is, is, you know, I, I tweeted this the other day, you know, I, I, I think what's more important is that people, you know, consider what kind of a future they want for their children and their children's children. I mean, yeah, I think there's, you're right. There's certainly that bag bias that people bring into it. And I remember Vitalik was talking about this with Lex Friedman. He said, imagine if your your, Mac and, your Apple computer or your Microsoft PC uh, came with stock options or stock. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then, then imagine the Apple versus Microsoft um, you know, PC battles then. They'd be 100x what they are now Yep. Uh, if you've actually got skin in the game. So well, I like also, say, it, if you've got a big bag, you'll defend it and may, may blind people to other other options. I, I don't think it's a universal uh, construct, no. right? But it is definitely sort of a piece of human nature. And I think it comes out more in Twitter than it does, um, you know, elsewhere. Um, yeah. But, at the, at, you know, at bottom, Bitcoin is one of the most amazing um, sort of economic experiments, economic and computer science and, and sociological and psychological experiments in human history. Um, oh, and, and in the cause of liberty, I think it's the most significant development since your revolution and the English Civil War. I agree. You know, there's very, very few few number of chances that give people a chance to take back some of their of their liberty. In this case, their freedom, their personal property. Sorry, I've got. I wanted to ask you a question. Just back to Raven. And uh, just an example that I gave you in advance, so hopefully you've had some time to think about it, a hand-holding exercise. So I used to get mail, you know, letters in the mail asking me to invest in a barrel of whiskey. And then in five years' time, whatever type of whiskey it was, uh, or 10 years' time, then we'd be getting dividends based on the bottling of that whiskey. That seems like an ideal use case for tracking and keeping people uh, involved and notified and paying them to use it on the Ravencoin blockchain. And I see Vincent is doing a similar thing with their wine. Yep. So if I'm a small business 
I'm a small distiller. There's one up the road that's just set up a distillery and I want to get investors. What are the first steps I need in order to set up something with technology available right now or what's coming in the next few months in order to make that happen? So, you know, I, and I, I have to, um, uh, you know, full disclosure, I glanced at your topics that you gave me, but I actually, I really wanted to preserve the spontaneity of our discussion. <laughs> So I uh, I didn't I didn't you know sort of study them uh, and I that was on purpose. Um, but in you know in what context are you talking about someone who wants to actually you know issue a, a security on on you know the Ravencoin blockchain using IPFS or uh, you know a, uh, a, a sort of a, yes yeah a, a security token offering so then they can get investors in their whiskey bottle and then and then use that as their as their certificates or their you know stock certificates so to speak. Yep. So um, te technically technologically it's straightforward um, to do right now. Let me caveat that. Um, you can create the token. I mean, you could create a security token if you wanted to on mango farm or, or you could do it on Ravencoin core right now. You, you can uh, attach your, your documentation to, um, you know, IPFS and attach it to the asset and, you know, um, technologically it's there. Um, and messaging is already wrapped into that or do you have to create a separate channel? Um, well, you don't necessarily need messaging in order to, uh, you know, in order to create a security, right? You know, my Apple stock doesn't, yeah. doesn't send me messages either. Um, but, you know, people have to be really, really careful. Technologically, you can create a thing and you can call that thing a security. And Delaware allows this. Uh, yep. allows you to create stock on the blockchain. Uh, so it was Wyoming. Um, but you can't do it um, without substantial legal advice. And, you know, it, you know, it's something that it, it's a bit unfortunate, I think, particularly in the context of small businesses, but, you know, it, it can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars or, you know, up to a million dollars to, to do, you know, a tokenization correctly uh, on the mm -hmm. blockchain uh, for or securitization correctly on the blockchain. So, you know, you're asking me the technological side of it. I'm, I'm not sort of here to talk, talk as a lawyer, but, um, uh, you, you can you can do it quite simply, technologically. If you lived in a country that didn't have any securities regulations, you could you know float securities on the blockchain you know tomorrow. You could do it in thirty seconds. But in the United States, you know you just need a lawyer to do it, um, and don't even come anywhere close to it. Don't touch it with a ten foot pole without one. Hmm. Okay. So essentially, what you're saying is you need to get all the the legal set up before you start issuing the actual token itself. Yeah. It's ninety percent law, ten percent tech. <clears throat> yeah, I might around. I might pursue that on another episode. Well, I might get an, an Australian lawyer and perhaps an American lawyer as well to to look at some of those intricacies because I see a lot of. I spoke to the guy that sells me a lot of wine. Has been sending us wine since we we got married. He doesn't sell in shops, and he's quite interested in this. But but when you think start thinking legal, they start getting headaches. So, I mean. It, it it made me think of some kind of business which is would be a it would be dependent on the jurisdiction, but combining the legal and the technical, so it can be like a almost a one stop shop where you yep. get securities lawyers and the technology all in the same place. Do you ever see that 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 sort of business would float or would be quite difficult because we've got different laws in every state? I do. You know the the issue is, and and let me let me just back up for a second. You know when you're talking about whiskey casks, right? Interestingly, that's a that's one of the you know. There's a case in in the United States that you know addresses the question whether um, whiskey casks are, are casks are securities, but um, uh, in in a very particular context, the, the uh, uh, you know whether something is or isn't a security is is you know a function of the of the circumstances surrounding the offering uh, of the thing, sort of what its nature is, and there's a whole host of factors that you need to look to, and they're very sort of fact specific to determine mm -hmm. if something is or isn't a security, right? So you you would say to yourself, I mean, there's no way that, you know, a barrel of whiskey can ever be a security or a beaver pelt, right? Um, or, you know, any other commodity that you can, you can think of. But the fact of the matter is just about anything in the world can be, uh, and it's not the thing that is a security. It's that there is an investment contract that surrounds the thing. Um, yep. You can take a piece of art, Right. And, you know, art, you sell a Picasso at Christie's or Sotheby's or in your backyard, uh, in a, you know, or at a garage sale. And that's just a sale of a piece of art. That's a you know tangible physical asset that you're selling from one person to another. And it's not a security. But if you take that piece of art and you, 
you know, stick it into a, a company, uh, you know, a Delaware statutory trust or an LLC or, or a corporation, and you issue shares of that corporation, well, the art then becomes a security through the corporation. There's a there's a sort of a gradation in between those two mm-hmm. extremes that, you know, there's there's a line somewhere. And it's something that, you know, I teach uh, blockchain law at GW. Um, it's something that, you know, I, I talk about a lot and I teach about, you know, about a lot and the students talk about uh, where is that line. It's not so clear cut, but there is a line. And that, that's where the legal issue comes into play, right? You can't just say, all right, you're only doing whiskey, so therefore it's not a security. Uh, well, whiskey can be a security in certain certain circumstances. Um, yeah. So uh, it, that's where the law, you know, the law comes in. Do I think um, sort of a one-stop shop for... Um, for, uh, you know, securitization slash securities council slash technological, you know, assistance is, is a business model that makes sense. Well, look, I mean, they're, they're, both of those things are in my head, uh, yeah. as, you know, as a lawyer and as a, as somebody who's working on a blockchain, you know, platform. Um, but th- they're just so, um, you know, frankly, I, you know, if I were, if I were a person, wanting to securitize something in this space. Um, I would be going with the best technological platform and then I would be going with the best legal advice and packaging the two in my, in my view is probably not a good business model um, because you you might get a little bit uh, less than the best of both. If you do. Yeah. Yeah. Not much diversification of labor. So what this is say you see on, not on Twitter, you see it on telegram people basically asking when when may I purchase the moon denominated in Lambos with Ravencoin. <laughs> and uh, let's just say, you know, the price I mean the price of Ravencoin goes to fifty bucks. Who's going to pay that much uh, in a five hundred Ravencoin burn price? And this is it's it's a question that's come up a lot on different sem- and there's one particular advocate for for making that argument all the time. Sure. Um, and what solutions do you see to the burn price question in future going forward? Well, there was a lot of discussion about this stuff early on uh, in Discord. I don't know if you yeah. were around for that or remember it. Um, uh, I mean, you, you were you've been here a long time, so you probably were. I, I went quiet for a while. I mined a lot, a lot of it, and then the difficulty got so high, and then uh, I didn't actually really twig onto what was going on when they changed it, switched to core power, and then I didn't start mining until again until recently. Right. I, I was one of these people that it's taken me three winters to keep paying attention. <laughs> so, so now I'm now I'm still paying attention, and I, I think we're at the beginning of a winter. I know that Plan B doesn't, but um, so every 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 boom that would come around, I'd come like a. I was mining Litecoin. I had ten GPUs all my lined up mining Litecoin. And I lost mm-hmm. all those game. Lost a track. And then when I get back in, they go, "What's an ICO? What are you talking about?" <laughs> and then and then I'm gone. And then the DeFi. What? What? You swapping? And so, I was one of these classic cases of someone not paying attention to things in the middle. So I wasn't really aware of those burn price arguments. And there's right. one guy, a man, um, seems like a great guy, Vincent, who's very concerned about about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I have some, some ideas about it, but I'd like to hear yours. Well, look, it's been a topic of heated discussion. Here, here's my bottom line. I, 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 I sort of, and you know, my view is as as good as the next person's, which is, you know, it's one person's view, but. Um, uh, I, I sort of think that once the economics of a blockchain are set, uh, it's dangerous to have um, sort of v- votes voting on, you know, what uh, what that economic factor should be changed to. Right. So, yep. so the, the, I view it as very similar to the 21 million you know, Bitcoin that can be changed. It's not immutable. Right. You can yeah. have you can have consensus and. Uh, it doesn't even need to be minor consensus. You can just have a large group of users. You know, if all users say they want 24 million Bitcoin, uh, you can bet that the mining, you know, the miners would follow because the user base is really what, you know, drives drives um, uh, uh, utility and the use case. So, so and the economic value ultimately. So I, 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 I'm sort of on in the camp of, um, you know, it's got to be an extreme situation to want to change it. And and we're not there. Right. You know, there's there's no there's no abiding need as we're sitting here right now. I do recognize and appreciate. I mean, look, I make unique, unique assets all the time, um, uh, you know, on Mango Farm. And um, uh, I, the reason I use uniques is because, you know, using, making a main asset is already, you know, um, you know, cost money. I mean, it's, it's not it's not 
crazy money, but it's, it, you know, it's 500 Raven is, is a cost. And um, when, when the price, you know, if the price goes up to, you know, people, a dollar or this, whatever, um, $500 uh, is a lot of money, but um, you know, that would mean that the highest and best use for a, an asset name, an available asset name on Ravencoin is worth that, right? Otherwise the price would never go to that number because uh, Ravencoin it, at bottom is an asset generating platform. I mean, Raven's principal use case is for making assets. I, th I think it's in, in entirely sensible. I agree. I think it, if they did change the bird price, it would be a monumental rug pull. It would be viewed as such uh, because people invest time and money into building these assets. And then the, ori the original reason for the, the price was so people wouldn't produce so many trivial assets and, and congest the network. And if we saw Ethereum nearly fell over with a, a cat game three years ago. Yeah, sure. Crypto Kitty. So, so I, I'm entirely, and then I just said, look, where there's a will, there's a way, and there'll be secondary market assets, the secondary markets for assets. So, you know, I'm going to be talking later to Ricky from Raven NFT. Yeah. Uh, that, that's why I pronounce it, RV NFT. And uh, he's, he's come up with it, with a, with a, with a Raven, Raven coin trader. I think it was his. Did he create it? I think he did. Anyway. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I know he's associated or I think he's associated with yeah. it. Yeah. So this is an amazing website where people can come and trade their their assets on the Ravencoin blockchain. Yep. And, and I think that eventually you will, there will be hubs of people running business, and there's some guys who we've all been airdropped this TD, you know, assets with very very short names, with the clear intention that there will be sub assets built on those, and then people could could if they want to do a fundraiser or a raffle or something, they could go approach one of these people and there'll be a website and a marketplace for them and say, look, I'd like to buy 5,000 of these asset tokens so to run a raffle or a fundraiser. Or you could even rent them and give them back. You know, there there, there are ways that people can facilitate access to, to assets on the Ravencoin without having to make a primary asset. I think of the the the, the admin asset function as almost like a starting up a business and think of it that way, and then you think how ridiculously cheap it would be to do that for five thousand dollars, you know. So, uh, and that's how I should be, as you said, it's the best use case scenario means that it's a highly valued concept, and there are all sorts of ways that people can 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 horse trade around to get access to assets with their their unique names much more cheaply if they need to. Look, yeah, I agree, and 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 my my issue is you know sort of a, a fundamental one, which is who am I? To say, I mean, the, the blockchain, the, the, it's sort of like a ship that's been cast into the sea, you know, like, you know, one of those uh, ships that you build, you know, a, a model ship and you mm -hmm. cast it into the into the, you know, into the bay or into the, um, you know, into the waters and, and, and the ship goes off on its own. I mean, that's that's what a that's what a functioning blockchain is. And, and I, you know, the, my concern is, you know, when you start tinkering with fundamental economic principles of a, of a running proof of work decentralized blockchain and then what's next right then do we change the issuance schedule and do we change the you know uh you know it's just it's a slippery slope and i, I sort of you know if, if 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 consensus if political consensus maybe political is the wrong word if human consensus is um is going to be deployed in that context in that economic context on a blockchain um i think it has to be deployed for sort of chain killing scenarios, right? So if, if you find it, I mean, even Satoshi Nakamoto, right? Early on in Bitcoin, they, they rewound the, the chain um, uh, because of a, of a bug, of, of, mm. you know, that was, that was, it wasn't exploited, but it was, um, uh, you know, there was, a, there was an inflation bug. And, and I think they rewound that seven blocks or something like that. That was, you know, that was a chain death situation. Um, yeah. This is not that. This is, you know, a bunch of folks have a bunch of different opinions, some completely diametrically opposed on this issue. And my, my sort of point of view on this is if that's the case, then it, sh then, then the default should be inertia. I think also, as you mentioned, well, like with the, uh, the supply cap on Bitcoin, once that crack is in the door is opened, once that door is open, governments will, will, will flood through. It'll be like, hold or not being able to hold the door they'll, they'll all come through and and so you can and, and as you said on twitter before that they're maniacally um you know clinging to that supply cap for with very good reason and 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 i've seen some people on twitter who don't seem to understand they said oh well you know this many notwithstanding exchange addresses 
It's a lot of Bitcoin being held in a, in a smaller number of addresses. This is not decentralization. So no, actually what you're saying is this is not communism. Uh, it is, the, the network's decentralized. It has that security. The fact that some people have more than others has literally nothing to do with decentralization of the protocol. Yep. And likewise, some people are saying, well, what if the little, the little guy or girl can't afford to make an admin asset? Well, there are ways around that. And even in the case of Bitcoin, it can be soft forked to add more zeros without increasing supply. So that if, if smaller people are priced out of one Satoshi, you can make, you know, add two more zeros um, in, in decades time. Likewise, I think there's a lot of potential in the secondary asset markets. I think whole new businesses are going to be built around uh, assets built on top of Ravencoin. And uh, people can produce all sorts of different assets for different purposes. And, and compromising those initial economics of it or tokenomics, uh, it threatens basically, I think, to be a rug pull. And, 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 and the whole project say, can come down. You know, you use the word maniacal. I think I've used that in a, in a tweet. I mean, I quoted it, you. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay, great. I mean, yeah. look, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, that, you know, maniacal resistance to uh, changing the economics of the Bitcoin issuance schedule is what gives Bitcoin its value. You know, ultimately, it's a cultural issue. You can it, we could all get together. We, you know, the, the sort of the, the global we could all get together and say, let's change it. And, and Ethereum has changed it. Right. You know, they, they've changed their issue and schedule multiple times. That's one of the reasons that I stopped uh, mining Ethereum. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a couple couple, you know, a couple weeks notice. And, you know, I had invested uh, $100,000 at that point in time. And, you know, Ethereum uh, mining mining cards and, and you know, uh, the Ice Age hits and you expect it to be unwound because that's what the uh, sort of the, the, the roadmap said. And and all of a sudden, you know, you, you get a you get a rug pull and the issuance schedule gets cut by a third. That that yeah. isn't what I signed up for. Right. You know, I, I for me, that meant. If that can happen, then it can. It will just continuously happen. That's great. I mean, if if that's the that's the ethos of of that network, and it's it's you know um, perfectly legitimate. But I prefer the ethos of you know where the culture resists those sorts of changes, and um, that's what attracted me to Bitcoin, and it's what attracts me to to Ravencoin. Indeed. So we've got about ten minutes to go. Can you? I'll, I'll just give you the floor of anything else you, that you want to say about where Ravenco and IPFS is going, because uh, I've been sort of sidetracking you. No, uh, is there anything else that, that's that's in the works that you're able to talk about, that you were going to talk about on the last roundtable, but you'll, you'll um, what's in store for Ravenco and IPFS? Sure. So what's in store for Ravencoin IPFS and Mango Farm? Um, so this is a new development. Um, Ravencoin IPFS, Mango Farm, my company, all my products are um, are merging. Uh, we actually merged uh, last oh. weekend. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, I'm excited about it. It's um, a company called um, uh, IP Assets that we're merging with. And we've done a lot of work over the past, say, year and a half with IP Assets. It's a company that was um, uh, uh, co-founded with me, I, I suppose, but with by a person named Adam Small. Adam is a great guy. Um, uh, pretty, uh, uh, pretty, pretty awesome. He's built a couple of companies, and uh, you know Forbes 30 under 30, really sharp. Um, so, uh, you know, we've done some development projects for uh, for IP assets. Um, I'm an investor in the in the uh, in the company, and um, uh, we built uh, you know, uh, with IP assets. Um, and one of our partners, who's also an investor in IP assets, we built a. Uh, a platform for an artist, Rick DeMont, uh, that tokenizes um, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of artwork on, on the Ravencoin platform. So, you know, over the course of time, uh, you know, as I've gotten to know Adam, I uh, really, you know, I really like him. We work well together. And uh, so we decided to uh, sort of join the streams. We merged the, the companies together. And um, uh, so now uh, all of the products within the Mango Farm uh, platform are, are going to be part and parcel of IP assets. Awesome. So I saw IP Assets had a really uh, strong presence on the um, Braveland campus expo hall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's really just there's a lot of synergy between the two of us. Um, uh, he's very good at the, a lot of the things that I'm I'm not. Um, uh, I wouldn't say that he's not good at the things that I am. Um, we're just uh, we're sort of two halves to a whole, and um, uh, it, it's been I really like him, and it's been a good uh, collaboration over the past couple of, couple of years. So. Um, it, it made sense. It made a lot of sense. So um, uh, we've gotten uh, some some uh, additional funding to uh, sort of build out the development team. Um, we've got 
now, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven people um, uh, now as part of the team, marketing, development, uh, admin, uh, and we're building out some neat new products, right? So um, uh, one, I can't talk about all of them. One that I, you know, I can uh, is mm -hmm. uh, a, new, a new product. Um, uh, I call it Ice Wallet. Uh, we call it Ice Wallet. It is a uh, uh, something that I sort of uh, conceived and and built out during a, a bit of a fugue state uh, last July um, when I had a week off during July Fourth week um, and sort of built the prototype. But it is a uh, it's a hardware uh, it's a it's a it's a cold storage solution for Ravencoin, including Ravencoin assets. And it's amazing because we yeah. have so many options, but you could mostly you can only store the, the native coin. Yeah, it, it, right. For hardware, uh, in terms of hardware support, we've got Trezor and Ledger on Ravencoin, but they are only native currently, uh, only the coin currency currently. And um, and what uh, I really wanted to do with this was this is not just a hardware wallet. This is true cold storage, and you'll know what that means when when it comes out. But it is um, pretty neat, and I'm proud of it. And uh, it's something that I sort of have been thinking about for a long time, but never really put. I mean, it's not really pen to paper, but never really put fingers to keyboard to, to sort of come up with a prototype. And uh, I did it during that week last year. And it, uh, uh, it's something that um, I think people are going to use. And, and, you know, to me, one of the most important things is, and it integrates with Mango Farm, the new version of which is coming out in a couple of weeks. And, and to me, um, you know, I, I, I think in this space, right, if you're going to put substantial assets, ownership, interest, and substantial assets on a blockchain. Um, it has to be in cold storage. And right now, every asset wallet in Ravencoin is to some degree or another a hot wallet. Hmm. So it was something that from day one, pretty much, I've been sort of mulling over and thinking about. Um, and uh, and you, you guys will see when, you know, when the solution comes out, um, when Ice Wallet comes out, you'll see if you like it, but it's, it's, it's pretty darn neat. And uh, I, I can't wait to get it out. I'm pretty excited. It, it sounds so exciting because if if we talked about the burn price before and if it, people are going to make a substantial investment in building an admin asset, which is a bit like starting a small business, you need to have fairly robust means to protect that. And Absolutely. as well as that, over the last 12 years, something I've been noticing on Twitter is an increase on the internet generally, an increased frequency of people saying with concerns about estate planning, because none of us are getting any younger. And Absolutely. I'll tell you what, if I rolled my car on the way to work, I've, I've ordered my titanium plates. I tried, they were two millimetres thick. They were too hard to stamp <laughs> letters into. So I've ordered some 0.8 millimetres, and then otherwise I'm engraving them. But I haven't finished doing them yet. If I rolled my car, my wife doesn't know how to get my radio. Uh, it's it's, um, it's going to become, I mean, the, the addressable market for, for cold storage, easy to use cold storage is, is going to be huge in the next decade, I think. I, so I agree. I think it's really important. I agree, Michael, and, and I couldn't agree more. And and I, I'll tell you, you know, um, a lot of people use, for example, you know, titanium or, you know, they use a, you know, they, they sell these discs or these pieces of metal that you can stamp your seed words in. But at the end of the day, you have to put your seed words into something. And, um, and and so th this is uh, uh, and I wish I could say more, but in a couple, I'd rather show not tell. In a couple of weeks, you'll see it. Maybe 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 a month or so. Um, but it's uh, it is um, not connected in any way to any computer that's connected to the internet. It is true cold storage, not quasi cold storage. It's cold storage. Yeah, um, it's something I'm starting to be so important, and also in respect to changing laws as legislators become more conscious of the fact that they can't get their claws on assets that people have. The, Sp the Spanish uh, House of Parliament, whatever they call their houses, has basically said, oh, we need to everyone to declare their foreign exchange crypto holdings, and then eventually it'll be domestic exchange crypto holdings, and then it'll just be your holdings. Right. And uh, I, I mean, I'm, I, as I say, I, I pay all my taxes, and uh, if they want, if they ask me for them, then I can give them to them, but they're not seizing them without my right. consent. And, right. and I'll give that consent, but we'll have to make sure, you know, I have that freedom to have those keys to make sure that what they're doing is lawful first. And they go, okay, okay, this all adds up. My accountant agrees. Here you go. But I'm not handing yeah. over my keys, you know. 
So I think that um, the ability to prevent um, seizure at will of your assets. Um, I mean, not everybody lives in a country that isn't governed by criminals. And so, so some other countries take stuff. We've seen in Brazil in the 80s, they took everyone's bank balances and left them with $1,500 uh, mm-hmm. before the, the, last, the last years of the dictatorship there. So I, I do think people can underrate that. So, yeah, if it's an easy-to-use true cold storage with assets, that's just going to be amazing. Well, when you think about what people, first of all, you know, this is, I love that you brought this point up about Brazil because, um, you know, people that we live in a, in a, you know, we have first world problems. I mean, you know, you're, you're British. I'm, I'm, I'm American. There are people, but but, I mean, you know, there are people who uh, are still living in dictatorships and there are, you know, Bitcoin and blockchain has a lot to add to, you know, a a large swath of the world that, um, you know, I can't even conceive of the problems and issues that they have, especially, you know, in countries where there are currency controls and that sort of thing. But putting that aside, let's just talk about cold storage. You know, if you uh, if you think about what a company like Coinbase does, right, when they have their their cold wallet and their hot wallet, or you know, and anyone that's doing true cold storage, right? They're taking, they're, they're, they're you know, they've got a Faraday cage and they've got a computer inside, it and that computer's you know on an isolated power grid, and uh, you know it re- receives its power from somewhere that can't be tapped externally, and you know there's all sorts of protections, but at the end of the day, it's just sort of air gapping, you know, disconnecting the device that's got the seed and the key generation. Um, mechanism from any devices connected to the internet. That's what cold storage is. Well, then I look at a hardware wallet. Now I trust, I think Trezor is an awesome device. I, the, the people who designed and built Trezor, I mean, to me, they're some of the best guys in the crypto space. I don't know them, but just, you know, they they put out the BIP44 standard and they, they um, you know, they've got one of the, they had the first mining pool for Bitcoin and they've got, you know, they're coming up with new standards for mining, um, new stratum protocols that are great for miners and decentralization. I mean, these, those guys are just the best, but, you know, their device is, is plugged in and, and I'm not saying it, you know, it's never been hacked through that, through that uh, uh, tether that it's got to the, to, to a, an internet connected computer and I trust Trezor and I use Trezor. But to me, um, someday, someone, somewhere has to exploit that, that wired connection between the device and the, um, and the internet connected device. So I have always thought, you know, there's two things that I've always been troubled with by existing hardware wallets. And the first is, the tether to internet connected devices, that's point one. And point two is supply chain, right? So, um, uh, you know, when you get the device in the mail, and I don't know if you've ever purchased a Trezor, but sometimes, you know, check, check uh, customs opens up the, the, opens up the bag before you get it. And you've got oh. this thing sitting on your desk and it comes out of an open bag and you don't know what the hell's inside of it. Those are the two things that always troubled me from day one when I first, you know, got involved with crypto. Um, I think, and I believe that I saw both. We saw both. So um, uh, that's what this device is. And I'll just leave it at that. And it's a little bit of a teaser. And I apologize. I wish it was three weeks from now or a month from now. And I could actually show oh, you that. I can't wait because I, I have a Ledger Nano S and I've got a safe power. And the, the it's almost like someone needs to come up with a, a hardware wallet trilemma, you know, example. Because the safe power doesn't require it to anything with any radio signal or cables. I yep. scan a scan a QR and then it scans a QR in return. So you're sort of slapping each other's back. But you also have to charge it. So I don't know how long the battery is going to last or how serviceable that is. Or, And then with the ledger, of course, then, you know, it's turned off when it's not or a connection to it and it's not a Bluetooth one because I'm not really cool with the Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I plug it in, if data can go in that cable and out that cable, as you said, that can be somehow exploited by someone who can think of something we never thought of before. But each yeah, of those I mean, has got their drawbacks with the battery or the connection. So it's it's amazing that I know I'm not trying to tease any more information out of you that you're not really. No, it's fine. It's, I mean, it's an interesting challenge that people need to. It is, and so. you have to think about things like you know even you know we we hired a whole team to to you know work on the hardware because I, I don't do any hardware and. Um, and you know, there are all sorts of things you need to think about when you're doing this sort of thing. Like, you know, for example, if the thing is, you know, we've got a magnetic charger, right? If the thing is on a magnetic charger, 
and it's sitting there, or even if it's plugged in, you know, you know, uh, we, we had the option to put a USB cable. And I said, I don't want a USB cable on this device. And the reason I don't want a USB cable on this device is because I don't want anybody to take it and plug it into an internet connected computer. Well, we can sever it at a hardware level. Well, you know, I just don't trust anything that's tethered to mm -hmm. anything else. So, so it's, uh, it's plug, it, it, it's got an old school, you know, um, uh, 3.5 millimeter jack that you plug into it, or it's uh, magnetic charging. But then I said, you know, well, we need to disable um, the all wallet functionality at, at any point in time when it's plugged in. And the reason it needs to be disabled is so that, you know, I don't want anybody sitting outside of somebody's house with a, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever used a T-Link, but, you know, with a uh, uh, anything connected to the wiring system, because true cold storage, it's in a Faraday cage with, with isolated power. So this is an isolated power system. You cannot use the device when it's sitting on, on the charger or plugged into the wall. So those are the sorts of things that for the past, you know, four or five months or six months, I've been uh, sort of thinking thinking about with the team and working through. And it's, it's, um, it's bearing fruit. It's a pretty cool device. It's, you know... Um, uh, you just have to see it. You know, I hope I hope people get a lot of use out of it because it's um, it's sort of a passion project of mine. Well, I'm, uh, comes out before Jack Dorsey's, so you're, you're at the front of the pack for this new, hey, you new know, rush Jack to mount more great. secure. Yeah. The more the better. I don't think Jack Dorsey's going to put Ravencoin assets on his in the first instance. So we'll, uh, we'll oh god we'll, no, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to you know we'll have to meet in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that sounds exciting. So uh, look, we're getting short on time. Is there anything you want to add that's that's uh, no, not necessarily announcements, but any final comments? No, I mean, look, I enjoyed uh, speaking with you. I'm, I'm really glad we did this podcast. I know this is, what, your second that you've done? Um, oh, the first, the first one, watching paint dry. Well, it just went through the, the white paper. And uh, so this is <laughs> the like first it. interview. And I, I just want to have, I mean, I have a suggestion from someone else to do a roundtable. I might do that, but we'll see how we go. But I'm preferring to do long form, uh, you know, around about an hour, uh, just on Ravencoin and just on different aspects from people coming from different angles. Uh, and there isn't any other podcast that covers that. We just get occasionally get a mention on someone else's on someone else's channel. So yeah. I think that hopefully this could be worthwhile for people that spend a lot of time in the car and uh, and can't just keep keep their eyes on the Discord constantly. It's because I turn my back for three weeks, I miss heaps. Absolutely. And I just wanted to say, I mean, this is a compliment and I, I don't mean it gratuitously. gratuitously. I, I, I really thought your questioning was great. And I thought, I think you're an excellent podcast. I don't know if you've done this before, but for your second podcast, just awesome. Oh, so much appreciate. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, um, okay, go ahead. Okay. Well, we'll just wrap that up there then. And uh, I've got to go off and introduce my children to, to some friends, uh, new clutch of pullets after their, their other child left, <laughs> left the door open and a fox killed their last lot. Oh, so wow. Got some domestic, can... domestic family duties. Yeah. This is dark, dark secret about how clever foxes are, you know, that <laughs> find way in any way. Yes. But... So, um, anyway, so we're going to go meet, meet all these baby chickens. <laughs> oh boy. We just got a new puppy. So, uh, you know, we're all about the animals in my house. I have, I have two dogs now and a cat and I have four kids. So we've got a full house here. <laughs> oh goodness. All right. Well, yeah. okay. Well, have you have a nice Friday night. I'll have a nice Saturday morning and, uh, I look forward to catching up and, uh, uh, you know, I really look forward to seeing this hardware wallet and I'll be this, hopefully the second person to know and I'm your first customer. Yeah. It was a real pleasure. Uh, thanks Michael. I appreciate it. Okay. All the best. Bye-bye.